Okay, well, if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we are starting a new book today, the book of Romans. And I'm excited and a little scared because it is such a deep and amazing book. We did it once before, almost uh, 13, 14 years ago uh, in the church. In, and uh, you can still find that online if you want to see my youthful foibles. And say, why do it again? Because this book is absolutely, incredibly central to how we live, think, be the Christian life. What we are, why we're here. It's just a really amazing thing to look at. It's, it's huge. And, and, and I'll say, we're going to approach it a particular way. I want to be upfront about it because I have been, I was looking at one, I'd go around and see what other people say about Romans, and I found one church where they were in year six of the fourth chapter of Romans. I don't know if you've ever read, for example, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he has like five or six volumes on Romans. That's not what we're going to do. A little bit, the things that, that I see, and I, 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 here, let me go, yeah, there it is. This is a... Uh, Sometimes I feel like what it, what happens is it's so amazing, it's so central, it's so core, it's like the bicycle, and then we start piling doctrines and things on top of Romans in order that you can see all the structure. And sometimes it's just overwhelming there, or sometimes it's even distracting. Because there's the whole like, oh, well, there's a bicycle there, but then... You know, there's there's the, I want to talk predestination, or I want to talk Calvinism, I want to talk, you know, what, what about what about giftedness over here? And you start building these things on top of what is the clean, amazing truth that we must have. You must get the actual bicycle. And so that's what we're after today for you and me, that we would see this the center of what it is Paul's going to say. And so we're going to walk through it. We'll walk through it together. We'll try and see this is what the scriptures are saying and and, and to see the wonder of the message that we so often leave. And in fact, it's somewhat offensive sometimes to me, but this is just the start. Paul's going to make some statements today, but the proving of them, the actual going through and making sure you know he's going to spend the whole time doing it. So that's why I'm calling this the trailer because it's like a trailer. You ever see a trailer and it lasts for a couple minutes? And, and, and okay, I'm sorry. We're more than a couple minutes. But, but I'll tell you this, it's like that. When you see Paul is saying, this, look at this. And then he's going to spend the whole movie fleshing out what it is he's saying. So today you get some, oh, this is cool. This catches, this is amazing. Oh, this is going to be about that. And then as we go, you can see the depth of how all the scriptures point to this incredible message of Jesus Christ for you and me, of faith, what it means. Okay, so I hope you get that today. He's going to prove it later, but today I want you to see his heart, his personal, passionate for you and me. It's the first 17 verses, which seems like a lot, but we're just walking fast through it. He's got a purpose. He's got a longing. And and then even as a spotlight he's going to do for us, to make sure we understand what the center of our faith really is. Okay, so we're going we're to start with not the pictures of the, of the bicycles, but with the purpose. So if we want to start, this is verse 1 of chapter 1, and we're in Romans, that's after Acts, 
before 1 Corinthians. It's Paul's longest letter. It's an incredible treatise. It's really common as we start to have a background, you know, to know where the letters are written from and who they're to. And so this is no different. Paul says he's an apostle to the Gentiles. He's called by Jesus. He's writing to the Roman church. The really interesting thing about this whole letter, you guys, it's really fun. He's not responding to some questions. We we'll have to try and figure out, why is he writing? Like, what have they done wrong? What is he trying to answer? And you try and construct, like, the argument and try and reconstruct who wrote what and what the people are arguing over. No. Now, this is just a layout of the wonder of God for Christians. For the Roman church, they're... they're Probably got got started from Corinth, we think, probably about 25 years after the cross. Just after um, Paul wrote Galatians, he probably wrote Romans, because Galatians was probably a little before that. And 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 he wrote it to the a mixed church. There's Jewish Christians there. There's Gentile Christians there, and you can see that through the letter as you look at chapter one, and then chapter four, and then chapter seven. There's some references there. We'll look at them when we go. Here's the thing. The idea is not, how do I get saved? That's what we often think Romans is for. Have you heard of the Romans road? I've heard of the Romans road. You know, you use some verses and they're great verses and they're really good to show you what you need to do in order to be saved. But I'll tell you what, Romans is not about you getting saved. Not in some sort of conversion way. Because he's, he's writing to Christians. That's interesting. He wants to encourage them in their trust of Jesus. Okay, so the thing is, who are we? What makes us part of this community? The place here, and, and, and he starts with laying out his purpose. It's, it's a phrase down in verse 5, but we've got to start with verse 1. So he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. That's a crazy start. Say, well, no, it's not. It's just a normal thing. I'm kind of bored already, Dex. No, 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 no. When you're going to write to some people that you never met, normally you start with like the, 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 the cool credentials that you have. Paul, a student of Gamaliel, the best rabbi of the day, like saying you went to Harvard and studied with the best at Harvard's best. Well, okay, I know Harvard right now. Some people are like, don't choose Harvard. You studied at Wacom Community College. No, it's not that either. You studied under the very best of the best. It's like hanging out. I did a class when I was in university. I did a class with the guy who was the head of the Federal Reserve. It's like saying, I spent time with the head of the Federal Reserve, so let me talk to you about monetary policy. He doesn't say that. He said, under the law, blameless. We know he is. We've read Philippians. We know Paul is like, he was zealous for God. He was all these amazing things. He doesn't say that. Rather this, I've, I'm a servant, a slave of Christ. I've been separated out. Called to be an apostle, a sent one, and separated out for the gospel. Well, that's interesting. Right away. 
especially that separated part. Like, like, like there's gospel over here and everything else over there. That's what that word means, right, when it says set apart. Saying, I've been set apart over here for the gospel of God. That means everything else is over, over here, but the gospel, this is what I'm for, is here. And lest you make a mistake, he goes immediately. What is that gospel? Which, this gospel, he, God, promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So so this is the purpose of the Holy Scriptures, right? We're talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about everything that's been written, starting with Genesis and going all the way through Malachi. Or if you're a Jewish believer, Chronicles. And, and, and then you've got this amazing setup of it's all, you know, for the gospel. The prophets saying those things. Who are the prophets? Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Elijah. You go through and just say, what are they doing? It's about the promise of the gospel. What is that? Concerning his son, verse 3, who was descended from David according to the flesh. This is a summary of the whole Old Testament message. Done. Poof. Like sometimes you want to go and we get confused and start reading about all these things that happened in the Old Testament. Just no, no, no. No, no. It's about the good news. What's the good news? That God was sending his son, descended from David according to the flesh, groups it all together because we realize, right? You remember the, 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 the Old Testament where it talks about, talks about how God created, it's Adam. And, and, and then you have all the flood, Noah. You have him, him calling this man from the middle of nowhere, Abram, Abraham, he changes his name to. Gives him a promise that there's a seed coming that will bless the nations. But then you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has his son, Joseph. They get down to Egypt. They become... Israel, they get delivered out of Israel. That's Moses. Moses takes into the promised land. That's Joshua. Joshua and the judges after that. And then Israel wants a king. And it's Samuel. You've got this whole little ark going on, right? And at the highest peak point of that ark is God gives them the king after his own heart. And his name was David. It's everything. You say, I, I want to know what the Old Testament purpose is. And Paul says, hey, hey, the thing you need to know is that the prophets, from the very beginning, they're pointing forward to the descendant of David because David in 2 Samuel 7 gets this amazing promise that says you will have a king forever on the throne. And it wasn't any of the 30 kings that followed him, including Solomon, as they spiral down. This is the Old Testament. It's a coming one. And then came Jesus. Oh. Descended from David according to the flesh, according to the Holy Scriptures. This is the point of them saying, there will come one, you know, the Son of God, the Son of Man. And he was, we know he's the Son of God. How? Because he was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's my introduction why I'm writing to you, says Paul. I am I'm a servant of Christ. I've been called to be an apostle, but I've been set apart to the gospel. And here's what it is. It's Jesus Christ. 
That's it, right? I mean, boom. Captures it all there. And, and, and yeah, the New Testament is the testimony of how Jesus Christ died on a cross and the cross couldn't hold him, the grave couldn't hold him. He was raised from the dead and he's alive now, resurrected from the dead, showing, right, the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. The grave couldn't hold him. Our Lord. All about him. And, and you, you realize what incredible good news this is because it's not just about him dying on a cross, but when he, when he rose from the dead, he went and, and did things. What was one of the things he did? He met with this guy named Paul. He spoke with Paul. Living. This is why Paul says, I, through whom, this is Jesus, we, he's talking about himself, have been received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Okay, now we can pause for a second. (laughs) Why? Because this is the purpose. Okay, why is he writing? He's writing, so this is what my mission is. This is what I'm doing. What am I doing? I have received grace. You better believe he has. If you don't think he has, read, it, read Acts 9. He's going, I had zeal to go murder these Christian pagan people. He was murdering believers. He got grace. Undeserved favor from God. And apostleship. He was set apart to bring what? To bring about the obedience of fake faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. That's Romans, what it's about. Super cool to do this, to bring about the obedience of faith. Whoa, 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 whoa. For one, you say, oh, I get that, Dax. It's, it's John 6.29, right? That this is the work of God, to believe, to trust in the one whom he has sent. You listened to our message last week on faith, what faith is, why it's just simple trust in Jesus. I want to bring about that. You say, no, wait. Whoa, objection. He's talking about the obedience of faith, Dax. So the obedience that faith brings, he's talking about as Christians, we should be like now doing more good stuff, you know, like obeying God and going back and doing the Ten Commandments. And why isn't why isn't that what it says? And say, no, that's not what it says. Well, what does it say then? What, what, why? The obedience of faith. Yeah, that, that's, that's a construction, right? The obedience, which is faith. The obedience, which is trust. It's like this he's going to say in chapter 4. Okay, you guys, here's the sign of circumcision. Work that through with me for just a second, just in your head. The sign of circumcision. There's the sign, which which what? You could say it another way, which is circumcision. There's the obedience, which is what? Faith. It's a massive thing, you know. The center of who we are, which is trusting Jesus for us. It's not this trust in that he's the son of David per se. It's not even trust he's the son of God per se. It encompasses all of it because what it is is trust that he is who he says he is and he has done what he says he's done and his promises are sure because he is our savior. Trust. Not trust in me, I'm trusting him. See, he's going to say it later in Romans, in Romans 4, 5. I'm not going to put it up. We've got too much to go through. But I'll say this. It's like he says in verse 5. The one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as goodness. That's the trust. 
It's not faith which then obeys. It's not faith which will produce for God. No, the obedience which is faith. Trust in Jesus. Trust in I forgive you. My body is for you. My blood is for you. Rest in the wonder of him for you. It's a relaxing, right? Oh my goodness, he's done it. I want to talk about that, says Paul. And, and, and here's the real wonder, because this is kind of the crescendo. This is it. Says, among who? To all the nations, he says. Oh, It's like if you're really watching a trailer, all of a sudden the music goes up. You know how that always happens in a dramatic moment in different movies. Because the wonder that trusting Jesus is for the Gentiles too. I say that and my voice goes up because I get excited and my wife says, don't get your voice up. And I get it. But at the same time, how do you show how amazing this is? What do I mean? Okay, so I'll do one. So, so I'm, a, I'm a young doctor resident and we would go out and we'd go out to the very worst spots that we could find in San Francisco where I was living at the time and we'd go into these places and one of the places was called the Tenderloin and you'd go into these these little apartments in the Tenderloin where people are really, really poor. They're not poor, Africa poor, but in some ways I feel like it's worse because they could get up and go get all the services that they need. Instead, we're coming to them to try and help them because the guy's just sitting there that I went in to see. And I couldn't hardly open the door and come in because it smelled so stinking bad. I don't think he was making it to the toilet. I think he was just using in his bed. And every part of the wall all around is covered with pictures with women without any clothes on. And it's just filth everywhere. And the guy's just kind of looking at us, smirking as we try and help him with his diabetes, which is why he's partly amputated and not getting around very well. And it's all his fault. I just want to, I don't, I want to leave. I don't like that guy. Get off off your sorry butt and get to the bathroom. Get this crap. Please forgive me. Get this stuff off your walls. It is literally garbage. It is wrong what you're doing. And you're wasting your life. And get up and move. It's that kind. Maybe you know some stuff. I don't know. But I'll tell you what. Jesus Christ sends Paul to that person. Will you trust Jesus? Not will you get up and go to the bathroom. Not will you change your clothes. And, and then the more, most amazing thing, when he's talking about going to that person, he's talking about going to me. That's the Gentiles. Gentiles are dogs. Remember Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated? This is Esau. Hated by God, and yet God says, okay, to Moab, to these places that, that, that in the Old Testament you read, you just stay far away from them. They are totally bad. Don't, don't you dare get even infected by their virus. And Jesus Christ comes for them? No, 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 no. Jesus Christ comes for me. Including you. He says, Paul says it. Among the nations, and he doesn't mean happy nations, he means the cursed nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Oh, fabulous. It's totally fabulous. 
I have such a wrong thinking, you know. I, I, I so think often that, that my, uh, my problem is that my, my pipes are clogged. I know what I'm supposed to use for pipes. I used one of those that people were doing in the back the other day to hear they were using this rotor-rooter thing to clean the pipes. And, 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 and then maybe some Drano they left for us to get this extra special Drano to, to clean out the grease. You know, if I just would get my pipes clean, God could do that for me. And then, and then I could function as I was supposed to function. And I think that's it. And that's not it. Jesus Christ comes for you. And it's a whole different thing because what happens is most often the pipes get broken. They break. Jesus is for the broken. He didn't come and make the pipes again. He gives you a whole new system. It's a whole new thing. It's very different. The water of pure grace flows out of our entire broken lives and, and, and still there's some coveting here and there's some greed over there and there's some immorality back there and there's some anxiety right here. And, and we're all like, oh, if I could just get over it, then, then. No, I, I, I have something to announce, says Paul. Trust in Christ for you. <laughs> in the midst of all of that, Something new for you. And some of them are in idolatrous Rome. Really, if you talk about Rome, right, it's the head, it's the seat. It's the guy who's emperor who calls himself God. It's, it's where they're going to hang Christians upside down and tar and feather them. It's not a great place, right, but in the midst of it, God's at work. And, and, and he's calling people to him who would just trust him. In fact, let's see who they are. To all those, this is who the letter's to, in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so do you see how he's naming them? Christian, I think we can throw you in there too. What was it? To all those in Rome who are loved by God, that's their first appellation. That's what they're called first. Loved by God. That's what faith is, right? We trust that we've come to know the love that God has for us that's demonstrated in his son. He died on a cross for us. And called to be saints you say well of course i'm called to be holier and holier no no you're misreading that there is no b in that sentence it's a really unfortunate thing they decided to insert the word b it should say those who are loved by god and called saints that's what the language actually says you are called a saint what's a saint well, it's those guys who like dressed really funny and they're Catholic. No, no, no. It's just a holy one, right? You're called holy. How are you holy? How are you set apart? How are you consecrated? How are you the one? You said, well, I got to do these things. Of course, I got to be holy. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. You're called saints. means because you trust Jesus, he, that, that's the action. That's the obedience that you need is trusting Jesus, not as a thing, not as a substance, as a reality that I, I trust him, what he has done. And trusting him means I am holy. Amen. Well, we go with that. But if you are, right, if that's really true, then it's just because of the trust. It's not anything you've done. Okay, 
So, 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 so we start there, right? That, that's just the start. That's what he calls them. That's their thing. He's saying, what's my purpose? My purpose is to bring that about, that you would trust Jesus because that he, he, he has acted. It is done. It is finished. He's done all that stuff. So that's my purpose is to make sure you know that. I want to enter into that with you. And I'm, I'm talking to you and say, well, is he really talking to Christians? Yeah, look what he does. Look what his longing is. We'll pick it up. We're going, we're going quickly. Because if you already have it, why even write this? If what he's doing is writing to Christians and they already say, I trust in Jesus and, and I trust that Jesus lived and died for me. I trust that he finished his work for me. I trust him. Then why is Paul needing to write to them? Isn't he writing to people who don't believe? No, he's not. He's writing to Christians. It's really interesting. Why? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I'm writing to Christians. I'm writing to you, Roman, because I've heard about what? Your trust in Jesus. Oh, I've heard you really trust in Jesus. Everybody's talking about how you trust in Jesus. It's so cool. I thank God for you. Why? Because it's so amazing that he has opened your eyes to the wonder that it's all Jesus. Okay? For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Stop there for a minute. We do this quite a bit. I'll pray for you. When you say to someone, I'll pray for you, what do you say? Well, first I've talked to him probably and I'll say, hey, I'm praying for you that you get your job. I'm praying for you that you, your kid gets better. I'll pray for you that you have peace and patience and kindness and self-control. I'll pray for you for some things. So it's all good. It's intercession. Look at Paul's prayer. God is my witness. I pray for you all the time. Well, thanks, Paul. Yeah. Without ceasing, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Oh, what's his prayer? Well, what I really pray for every single day, I just pray to God that I might, I might be able to come and hang out with you. very foreign to my flesh. Usually what I'm praying for people is I can go hide in a corner and read a book. That's not Paul. Paul's not praying for them to accomplish something. Paul's not praying for them to get something. Paul says, what I really want to do is come because I'm so eager just to hang out with you. I'm asking God, can I please hang out with you? Because I've heard. What have you heard again? I've heard you really trust Jesus. This begins to be a big push towards what it is we're doing. For I long to see you, he says, that I may impart some to you, some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. By the way, he says, I, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers. I've often intended to come to you, but thus far has been kind of prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'd love to be with you, he says, because when people who lean on Christ... When people who trust this Jesus receive the gospel, get, get together, they get excited about the right things. We start going, hey, what did you see in the Old Testament that's amazingly pointed to Jesus? How's your life going that God is like, whoa, this struck me like really trusting Jesus means I, 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 can, I can do this or I'm free over here. Or, Look what the Holy Spirit's done there. And you say, oh, this is what it is. We are a people who trust Jesus has done it all. And so we can like, instead of, trying to like make you do something i want to 
hear what he's doing. This is the difference, right, between people who say, what you need to do is you need to do this. And people who say, I'm curious. What's God doing? I'm curious about where that's going because what? I know you trust Jesus, so I know amazing things will happen. What things are going on in your life? Well, really what I'm doing is struggling with this suffering over here and this thing's not going very well. And then you say, hey, you know what? But it's so cool that Jesus died for you. I know he's at work. And we can have mutual encouragement around that, right? Or you can say, oh, look at this neat fruit that you've given in ministry. Look at this amazing thing that's happened over here. Look at the rest I've gotten. Or look at, at, at the confession that I need to make. All of it, all of it is Paul's desperate prayer that he longs to be with them, to encourage each other in this way because it's fruitful, because it's about Jesus. That's what he's talking about, right? He says, I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. I value you, he says. It doesn't matter if you're wise or foolish or barbarian or Greek. What an amazing gift we've received that brings us together. And, and, and you should be saying, if you read this, really, you should, why? Why is he eager to preach the gospel, as he says, to those who already know the gospel? Their faith is known all over. Surely they're preaching the gospel. We go, well, well, what he's going to do is going to talk to the ones who don't have faith already. No. No, he's talking literally, specifically named to people who do trust Jesus because maybe they need this too. Our default is always this. We always veer, you guys. We're always on the verge, uh, us, us. And I know, we have Christ. He's got us. But the encouragement we bring to each other is the world constantly presses on us. We want to veer off. We want to rebuild ourselves. We want to start looking inside ourselves. You know what? The Seahawks. Everybody's ears perk up. Let's leave Romans and talk about the Seahawks. The Seahawks, they did have a winning season this year, didn't they? I forget. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It wasn't a successful season. The coach got let go. And they're going to rebuild. Why are they doing that? So they can reload. So that maybe next year they can have success. That everything's like that. This is the entire world, right? That's the mentality. I was listening to a radio program on the way in this morning. The radio program's like, oh, hey, that three, you, you need, there's three things you should immediately be doing to help your marriage. If you call up for our seminar, we'll let you know what they are. I'm like, oh no. I wonder if the three things would help my marriage. Why? Because I would like my marriage to be better than it is. I mean, it's fabulous. It's always though, right? This little thing inside me saying, maybe if I did something different, it would be better. Maybe I could advance. Maybe I could go forward. I, I, I sort of this improvement. You know, you're not doing the right things. And, and as Christianity comes, it's the reality is I've been overwhelmed by grace and mercy upon me. That's the start. But then I start to get better. I stop hanging with those immoral people. My bad habits get worked on. You know, I start reading my Bible. I start praying in the morning. I have quiet times. I start watching the way I live. And as I, as I do that, my focus shifts, right? My faith was in Christianity, Jesus, and what he did. 
but now it's so that I work and improve. And I look at other people like work and improve. And I leave the wonder of what he is for me and the trust of what he's doing in me, no matter what it looks like. And I move to, what have you done for Jesus lately? It's a killer. I stop being struck and amazed at the promise to, to the unclean because I'm no longer unclean. So do it yourself kind of kind of replaces it's finished. So 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 do love replaces love given. So so build your life replaces treasure found. And Paul brings us back, right? He says, I, this is where I am. This is where you need to be. It is amazing. It is true. It is only Christ for you. What we call maturity and growth is actually oftentimes moving towards self-righteousness. It is. Show your improvements. You know, new life is this reality. It is. You realize that? New life is a reality. Why? Because Jesus says so. Where do I move? New life is a reality if I show it to you. If I can prove it. Like you can be not okay. This used to be a big slogan. But it's not okay to stay not okay. You have to be an improvement story. If you still struggle, you hide it or you explain it away. An example recently, I was talking to someone with a broken relationship. The relationship was broken and, and it's really broken. One of their kids. I just wish I could explain to my kid. I, I wish they would sit down and hear me. I wish I would listen to me why I do the things that I do. It's not really, it's, it's not all my fault. There's these things going on. There's these stresses that I'm under. There are these things that are happening because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, I know. I, I hurt them. But, but, but there's things going on in my life. What is that called? That's called justification. In fact, I could put one more word in front of it. That's called self-justification. There's a reason why I'm this way, you know. It's all those things over there that are hurting me. Is that true? You better believe it's true. There are lots of reasons why you do what you do. Some of them, your circumstances hit you and they're hard circumstances and you get stresses, you get things that are going on, you get cancer in your life, you get things that hit you that are difficult. But at the same time, what is true of you is something entirely different, that everything you are is about what? What Jesus has done for you. That's called forgiveness, not improvement. I'm going after what you need to do is just understand me so that you realize I'm trying really hard to be a better person. That's, that, that's not actually Christianity. Christianity is you do realize I am clean and pure forever in Christ. Full stop. That's the message he's bringing. We have no excuse, none of us, what's broken through the reality for us. The reality is God's love for us, God's forgiveness for us, God's work for us. He has done it all and it absolutely worked. And he saved us, not by our works, but by his. And you say, well, how can you say that, Dax? Don't you need to qualify it? Like if you accept the gospel, aren't you pledging to be righteous and moral and good and true? No, actually, I'm saying you are. 
in Christ fully. No way am I saying that. <laughs> you might say back to me, Dax, 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 wait, wait, wait. Come back to the tenderloin just for a minute with me. Come back to the guy with the pictures. Come back to the guy with the, with the just stinky, horrible, oh, man, come on, stop pooping in your bed. And he trusts Jesus. And you say, you know what? There's hope for you. Total forgiveness in Jesus. And he says, I can't believe that is true. And I've, I've been called by God. I trust Jesus. You know what I want to see next? Febreze. We cover it up. And Paul says, no, all you got is Christ. That's all you got. I think, I think, you know, I've spent a lot of time cleaning up. Other people need to as well. They have obligations towards me. And well, if not me, then definitely God. And God promises new life. And, I, you know, I'm working hard on that. I just need a little more time. Boy, you sound like some guy when the kings forgive him a lot and he just wants a little more time to pay him back. That's in the Bible. Did not go well for him. Okay, so, so, so uh, we're going late today. We'll do our spotlight next week. But I'll, I'll tell you what. Paul says, I unashamedly stand here proclaiming to you that your only hope now and forever is trusting this Jesus. That's why he's going to say, I'll just, I'll just put the verse up just so we won't do the whole thing. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why does he even have to say that? He has to say that because what he is saying is so radical, is so shocking is so ununderstandable to our flesh that he's got to stand and say, you know what? I'm going to go all the way in and show you and prove it to you in the movie that's coming. This is just the trailer. And the spotlight comes. I am not ashamed of this message. It is the only life there is. It is the power of God that from faith for faith, from the beginning to the end, in all of it holistically, it is the faithfulness of Jesus for us. It is our trust in him that is our only hope forever, not just for some conversion moment of, oh, yes, I love Billy Graham, but also for every moment afterwards, including today, right now, for you. Your only hope is that Jesus Christ is working in your life right now, and he promises he'll keep you. And he promises he'll use you and bear fruit in you. And he promises that he's prepared a place for you. And he promises forever and ever and ever that you will be with him because he's alive and he has done it and it is finished. And now I need an amen. Amen. He's done it. This is our life and we're going to look at it in Romans. It'll be fantastic. It is the bicycle. Everything rests here. Is it about Jesus Christ alone with no hope in yourself? Or is there any other way?